we should leave it up to local authorities to decide what is the safest thing to do. Can they open polling places? Should they not open polling places? Should they just have uh, an absentee ballot election? What's the best way to handle it? It depends on local conditions, and we ought to leave it to local authorities to make that decision. From a makeshift studio in a tiny closet in Alexandria, Virginia, I'm Tim Desher, and this is Heritage Explains. Election season is always a spectacle. But it seems like the politics leading up to the elections never seem as sacred as the actual duty of casting a vote. Since I can remember, every election that I paid attention to had hype, rhetoric, attacks, dodges, counterattacks, and maybe a little policy in the mix. But one thing is certain, it all comes down to one day, election day. It's the day that marks an individual's civic duty better than anything else. To many, election day might not be as big of a deal as it once was. In fact, election day could be a thing of the past. Given all the changes surrounding the Chinese virus, there has been a lot of talk, especially from the left, about our election process in America and an effort to fundamentally change it by switching to mail-in voting. Not just temporarily, but forever. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says she is determined to push for mail-in voting across the country in the next relief bill. Uh, in terms of the elections, I, I think that we'll probably be moving to um, vote by mail. Uh, that's why we wanted to have more resources in this third bill that just was signed by the president uh, to get those resources to the states to facilitate the reality of life uh, that we are going to have to have more vote by mail. And recently, a slew of leaders on the left, including Senators Kamala Harris, Amy Klobuchar, Elizabeth Warren, members of the squad in the House of Representatives, and many others are rallying around this as their next big push. But conservatives are hesitant to buy in. Why? Aren't we for people having the right to vote? Here's an exchange between President Trump and a member of the mainstream media at a recent press briefing to set the stage. If you're a senior citizen and if you're somebody that needs it, I'm all for it. But they have to be very careful because you know the things with bundling and all of the things that are happening with uh, votes by mail where thousands of votes are gathered. And I'm not going to say which party does it, but thousands of votes are gathered and they come in and they're dumped in a location. And then all of a sudden you lose elections that you think you're going to win. I won't stand for it. Well, we're going to find out about the proof because you're going to see what's going on. Well, Mr. President, we have your proof right here. Did you know that the Heritage Foundation has an entire database where we document voter fraud around the nation? It happens. And because it happens, there is ample reason to question mail-in voting as the new normal for elections. This week, we talked to Hans von Spakovsky, 
He's the manager of the Election Law Reform Initiative and a senior legal fellow in the Mies Center for Legal and Judicial Studies here at the Heritage Foundation. He's literally written the book on documenting voter fraud. A couple of them, actually. (laughs) On this episode, Hans explains a sensible balance between public health, voting, and how to have elections without endangering the security and integrity of the election process. Now we'll get into the interview just after this short break. We need standard bearers in Washington, D.C. I'm so proud to work at the Heritage Foundation, where our mission is to have sensible solutions to every issue that arises in this nation. The coronavirus is no exception. That's why the Heritage Foundation started the National Coronavirus Recovery Commission. The commission's goal is to save lives, but also the livelihood of millions of Americans impacted by this virus. To do this, the commission has released several recommendations to help our nation's leaders navigate us through this crisis and move toward a recovery. Log on to www.coronaviruscommission.com to track the commission's recommendations and to see what our recovery plan looks like. Again, that's www.coronaviruscommission.com. Okay. Let's get to our interview with Hans. Hans, your new piece in Fox News, it's called America's Hidden Voting Epidemic, Mail Ballot Failures. Now, this is a great piece considering what's happening right now in Congress. Uh, You warn against by mail voting and differentiate between helping people to vote and canceling safeguards that exist, and that's at a state level. And just as a starting point, when you say by mail elections, you mean absentee ballots, isn't that correct? That That is correct. And in every state in the United States, of course, uh, you can vote by absentee ballot, uh, particularly if you're uh, sick or disabled, uh, can't make it to the polling places, you can request an absentee ballot. Election officials will uh, mail it to you. You can fill it out and then you can either mail it back yourself or you can actually hand it, deliver it. Or in most states, uh, a member of your family can deliver it. Uh, Unfortunately, a number of states allow vote harvesting, which means anybody can show up at your front door, including candidates, Hmm. uh, party activists, and others who have a stake in the outcome. Anybody can show up at your door and say, hey, I'll deliver your absentee ballot for you, which is a, a very bad idea. Yeah, that's, that's troubling. So, so now the push is to make absentee voting or by mail voting um, the standard for all elections throughout America. That's what the Democrats and the left are currently pushing. Correct? Yes, they they basically want to get rid of uh, polling places. Uh, you wouldn't be able to go and vote uh, on election day. They simply want state election officials to mail an absentee ballot or an all or a mail-in ballot to every single registered voter everywhere in a state and you would fill it out and mail it back. Okay, so the latest push 
um, is they're obviously using uh, the Chinese virus as uh, the reason for this. Um, you know, and you know, Pelosi said, "Why, why shouldn't we be asking people, or why should we be asking people to stand in line if we don't want them to leave their house?" Um, you know, she secured four hundred million dollars in the CARES Act, which was just passed to help people. So, I guess my question is: is um, what will that money be used for? Well, there's two things here. I mean, one, yeah, the bill that actually got passed is $400 million. It went to the U.S. Election Assistance Commission, which is then simply going to parcel it out to the states. They're suppo- there aren't really any conditions on it. They're supposed to use it to deal with the upcoming election. But uh, the problem is, is that Nancy Pelosi and others, um, actually what they tr- have been trying to do is get rid of all of the security measures that states have in place. Look, there's no need for federal legislation, the kind that Nancy Pelosi was pushing, because like I said, in every state, you can already vote by absentee ballot. But what they were trying to do in her bill um, was to override the state laws on this. And to to just give you a a quick example of this, um, look, absentee ballots, they don't start counting them until the end of election day, when they're counted at the same time as the regular ballots people have cast. And there's a good reason for that. You, you don't want to start uh, counting ballots that have been cast you know, a week, two weeks before the election. You don't want to start counting them early, because if that information is leaked out, hmm. uh, it may deter folks from voting on election day. They may see that preliminary results show the person they wanted to vote for, candidate they want to vote for, uh, is losing. Why go vote? Or if that information is leaked to candidates, they might be able to manipulate election results, uh, change things so, that, so they can change the way the election's going to come out. Yet she had a bill, a provision in her bill, that would have required all states to start uh, tabulating and counting um, absentee or mail-in ballots two weeks before election day. Huh. I mean, that is just a foolish thing to do. She had another provision in there that said um, – uh, any state that has an ID requirement for absentee ballots can't can't apply it. Ab, uh, voter ID laws are are out the window. Right. Yeah, your your latest piece talks about the danger of putting elections in the hands of the U.S. Post Office, and I think that's a great hook because we have all. <laughs> with the U.S. Post Office over our li- over the course of our lives in one way or another. And you talk about millions of ballots being sent to the wrong address and millions being lost in the mail. Hans, why does this happen? Well, part of the problem is that states, uh, the voter registration lists in states all over the country are in terrible shape. Hmm. States aren't doing a very good job of um, cleaning them up, maintaining them, keeping them up to date. There are lots of people in many states who are still on voter registration rolls, even though they don't live in the state anymore. They've moved. Uh, There are lots of folks on voter rolls who are deceased but haven't been removed. Um, There are many instances of multiple registrations by the same person. And the problem with an all-male election, one where election officials uh, are told you have to mail out a ballot to every single registered voter is you're going to have tens of thousands of ballots uh, going to the wrong address, showing up at people's homes for folks who don't live there anymore. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, uh, the, the chances are that those could 
get voted. Or, as has just been reported in California, the California Secretary of State just admitted uh, that they have found cases of people who are the same person, registered more than once, who were mailed a ballot for each of their registrations and, in fact, voted them. So you had people out there who voted more more than once. And that's that's one of the big problems um, with all mail elections. Are there any states who currently have all mail voting um, as their standard? Yes. How, uh, or, how, or, are they, how are they how are they working? Well, Oregon is probably the most prominent of that state. Um, uh, Hawaii does it, too. And if you talk to, to election officials there, they'll assure you oh, our system is just great. But that's because they don't really want to find any problems and they don't have any way of detecting problems. And I'll give you two examples of what I mean. Um, uh, some years ago, a professor um, at a state college in Oregon actually did a survey in just one county there. And according to the survey, 5% of individuals contacted admitted that somebody else had filled out their absentee ba- their, their all-mail ballot. Oh, jeez. Now, 5% may not sound like a lot, but that was just one county in Oregon. If, that, if that's true in the rest of the state, literally you had tens of thousands of ballots being filled out by uh, someone else. And I'll give you another uh, personal story. Um, when I worked for the U.S. Department of Justice, I was actually in Oregon for a meeting of, of election officials from all over the country. And at the very time that the director of elections was talking about, oh, how secure their system is, um, an election official from another state uh, leaned over to me and said, well, my sister-in-law lives in Oregon, and the last election, she voted three times. And I said, well, how did she do that? Well, she voted under her her name with her ballot that had arrived in the mail. She voted uh, her husband's ballot. In other words, she filled out her husband's ballot, forged a signature, and mailed it in. And then she voted a third time because she had gotten another ballot. Why? Because she was registered under both her married name and her maiden name. And there was no way for Oregon election officials to realize that that had happened. So w- multiple ballots come come to you or come to one or more of your addresses that you have on file and you vote twice. That's obviously breaking the law, correct? It, it is, but it's, okay. how, how are election officials going to detect it? Let's talk politics here, uh, and and and, and there, you can't avoid politics here. You know, you you look at people on the left on TV talking about, um, you know, this is this is something that is for everybody. Um, you know, uh, Republicans are 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 notoriously high turnout when it comes to absentee ballot voting. So why are they concerned about this? Why are they depriving people the ability to vote? Why are they doing that? I'm just curious. You know, when they make that argument. People hear that and they say, yeah, okay, well, that's, I can buy that. What's your response to that? Now, my response to that is that that's, uh, that, that's just an unfounded myth that, uh, that, that we're trying to deprive people of their, uh, their ability to vote. Like I said, look, in every single state, you can vote by absentee ballot if you can't make it to the polls. But what's yeah. going on here? is that the progressive left wants to get rid of all of the security measures that are in place to try to cut down on fraud. That, that's why, for example, Pelosi's bill would have said, you have to allow vote harvesting in every state. In other words, you have to allow candidates and party organizations to come 
pick up your ballot, which is which is a horrible idea. Or to give you another example, um, look in every state when you mail back your absentee ballot, uh, it's got to be postmarked by the end of election day. And the reason for that is you don't want people waiting until after Election Day when they're starting to see preliminary results and then they decide how they're going to vote. Because that that could that could uh, lead to manipulation of close of a close election. Yeah. Well, Pelosi's bill would have forced states to accept absentee ballots or mail in ballots as long as it is signed by the voter by the end of Election Day. Well, how in the world? Would election officials ever be able to actually prove or verify that the voter actually signed it by the, the by the by the end of election day, rather than waiting until the next day or the mm-hmm. day after yeah. to see what happened with the election results? A- at least with an official U.S. Postal Service postmark, you know that they voted the ballot before the end of election day. That was just a foolish change. That that all it would do was was help. Uh, uh, make the security of, of the mail-in process worse. You know, I, it's, I'm, I'm interested in hearing your take. Um, w- you know, we, we hear all these stories about, you know, election fraud happening. Um, and, and I want to give a plug to the Heritage Voter Fraud Database. You actually, you actually categorize these stories um, that are happening around the country. I wanted to give that just a little bit of a plug because, and, and I'm going to link to it in the show notes, because I think that it's important for people to, to check that out and actually put, um, put, put context to this. you have any stories from the database that, that stand out? Yeah, I was I I read some column last week by somebody who was saying, oh, there aren't any cases of absentee ballot fraud that have changed (laughs) election outcomes. And I was like going, boy, do you really don't know what you're talking about? I mean, just to give you a couple of quick examples, uh, we added a new case to our uh, database of a mayor in a small town in Alabama um, who last year was removed from office. Uh, after being convicted of voter fraud involving absentee ballots in an election that he run by 16 votes. Wow. Or uh, uh, in uh, 2004, which is not that long ago, the Indiana State Supreme Court issued a decision overturning a Democratic mayoral primary in a small town in Indiana. Why? Because of massive absentee ballot fraud by one of the candidates um, in in that city, uh, I, I can give you other uh, other cases like that. Another one, Dodge County, nineteen uh, nineties uh, in Georgia, uh, a local county commissioner, local sheriff, convicted of voter fraud, not just absentee ballot fraud, but also by buying votes. Wow. Same kind of thing in in Alabama, uh, Green County, Alabama. 1990s, more than a dozen local uh, officials and candidates convicted, again, of a massive absentee uh, ballot fraud scheme involving hundreds of fraudulent ballots so that they could what? Stay in office as incumbents. Yeah. And, and where there's smoke, there's fire, Hans. I mean, we're, we're, yes. we're catching these instances. There, there, there's got to be so many more of these happening all around. And so uh, I want to I want to maybe try and get to a cheerful ending here 
Um, (laughs) because, because this can seem very hopeless. It can seem very, you hear all these stories, you hear, you you hear the politics of it and you hear the arguments from, from, from both sides. Um, do you see, um, areas of of success happening in our nation when it comes to our, either our, our, our voting roles or, um, our election integrity? Well, yeah, I mean, look, more than a dozen states, despite fierce opposition in the courts, have, for example, passed um, voter ID laws, which is just one of the most basic steps that that you need to take. And four states um, have passed voter ID laws that apply to both in-person voting and absentee ballots, which is a, a very good uh, a very good thing. Um, there are states that are working on trying to set up systems where they can compare their statewide voter registration lists. So they can find people like, unfortunately for him, the college student we recently added to our database who was going to the University of New Hampshire and was caught voting in New Hampshire as well as in Massachusetts, his home state, which, of course, is highly uh, illegal. So, you know, there are good things happening, despite the fact that there are a lot of folks out there, particularly progressive left, that are, are trying to set up. Uh, rules so that we have a system in which it's easy to cheat and easy to manipulate election results. Given 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 the Chinese virus happening right now, what would be your uh, recommendation to the states to ensure a fair election, but also you know being very real about health risks and about um, all this stuff that's happening right now with the Chinese virus? How would you respond to that? See, what I would say about that is those who think that there should be one rule that fits all and that the feds uh, ought to be uh, telling the states what to do don't realize that, yeah, while we have problems, for example, in places like New York and the Washington metropolitan area, there are huge swaths of the country out west where there isn't a single case Hmm. of the COVID virus. So my point of that is, is we should leave it up to local authorities to decide what is the safest thing to do. Can they open polling places? Should they not open polling places? Should they just have uh, an absentee ballot election? What's the best way to handle it? It depends on local conditions, and we ought to leave it to local authorities to make that decision. Hans, I, I just thank you so much for for uh, being with us today, and uh, please keep us informed on any and all things that uh, come about with this. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I enjoyed talking to you. And that's it for another episode of Heritage Explains. Thank you so much for listening. Go ahead and head over to the show notes wherever you listen to the podcast. I've linked to a lot of Hans's recent work there on election integrity, some recent op eds. Uh, links to his books and other relevant information that's going to help provide context for all the information we just learned in the interview. Have you shared our podcast with your friends yet? If not, please do. The more we grow, the more pushback we can provide against the mainstream media narrative on almost every single major policy issue. Go ahead, hit that share button wherever you listen. You can also send us an email at managingeditor at heritage.org. That's managingeditor at heritage.org. Michelle is up next week, and we'll see you then. Be well. Heritage Explains is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher, with editing by Thalia Rampersad.